This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. You are listening to this is Cruise Radio Rewind. Real reviews from real cruisers. If there's one thing we can all agree on, it's that we want to get back on a cruise ship. Sure, there are naysayers out there, but the odds are anyone listening to this show is a cruise lover, right? So unlike before the shutdown, even people who absolutely loved cruising may find themselves having to think long and hard about if they want to cruise in their immediate future. Why? Because cruising is definitely going to look different with health and safety protocols in place. Some people might not be down for it. Not saying everyone won't, but a lot of people might not. And that's what we're here to talk about today, cruise deal breakers. Things that might make you think twice about cruising in the age of social distancing and if we have to wear masks and all that. Right now, nobody knows what the protocols are. Um, There's still being hammered out by the CDC and other officials. But one thing that seems certain is that on some level, cruising will change. Maybe for a few months, maybe for a long time. We really don't even know. So let's talk about some of those deal breakers. Joining me now is Cruise Radio staff writer Richard Sims. Hey, Richard. Hey, good morning. And host of the Always Be Book podcast, Tommy Casabona. Hey, Tommy. What's going on? How are you? Let's start with one of the most controversial of the potential protocols, masks. Tommy, have you heard any rumblings from your clients? Like, what are their thoughts? Will they be willing to book a cruise if they have to wear one? I know it's still early, but what are your clients saying? Honestly, it's really across the board, all over the map. It's really, I mean, at the end of the day, cruising is a microcosm of society. Like we all used to kind of, we all like to use that kind of, I guess, uh, I guess analogy. You have those out there who are really taking this seriously and want to err on the side of caution. And then you have the chest pounders, you know, those types that say, oh, this can't hurt me. You know, it's a scam. And then you have everything in between. Now we talk about how cruise ships being floating cities. And I, I think that's really is a good analogy because to borrow one of your favorite phrases, Doug, you get all kinds of kinds. And mm-hmm. as far as the reactions to the regulations, I think everybody right now realizes that there's going to be some modifications. And they're all telling me that, yeah, we realize it's going to be a little bit different. But I don't know. I'm not sure they realize what level those modifications are going to be at. Nor do they realize how much their vacation might be affected. So I say definitely continue to cruise. And I'm telling them, listen, I want you to go. But I got to say, based on what we're hearing, it doesn't sound like the powers that be right now know much of what's going on or have really set any guidelines forward yet, unless I missed something. I'll summarize it by saying simply, I'm telling them, you know what, cruise, book your cruise, but really manage your expectations of what cruising will be like, at least for the first month or so. What are your thoughts, Richard? Uh, you know, my thought, I kind of am talking to a lot of people come to me and ask me about cruising because they know I'm obsessed with it and they ask me my thoughts on this and I tell them that they really need to before they think about booking something decide whether or not they're ready to face these potential protocols like if you know that you are someone who is not going to wear a mask on a ship if you're just flat out like nope I'm not I don't I don't wear it at home I'm not wearing it on vacation then Either A, book a cruise that you know you can cancel if that is the ruling that comes down, or B, wait a while. You know, see how things shake out. See what ends up happening. Uh, I saw someone the other day who said, 
they were John Heald had posted a, a a post saying, you know, listen, we don't know what's going on. Nobody knows what's going on. But if we said you had to wear masks in public areas, what would your response be? Would you cruise? And you know, a, a vast majority of people said no. They would not cruise if they needed to wear a mask in public. But you had these people who said, well, you know, what I'll do is I'll wear a mask until I get on the ship, and then I'm taking that sucker off and. Who's going to stop me? Is the bartender going to not serve me? Are they going to kick me off the ship? And that raises a really good question is if that is sort of the route that the cruise lines wind up having to go, that, you know, that, that, that you do have to wear masks in public areas, how will they enforce it? Who will be in charge of enforcing it? And what will be the protocol when you get that kind of, you know, bullish person who says, well, you can't make me, do you like, you know, do you kick them off at the next port? What do you do? So I, I, I do kind of think if I had to, if I had to, ask, if I was asked right now what I think, which I guess is what I'm doing, being asked what I think, do I think that they will require masks when they first come back? I kind of do. I think at least for the first, you know, little bit, especially if we come back as early as like, you know, August, September, as we're seeing uh, across the country, we're seeing spikes. I do think that that'll be a requirement. So I think if it's a, something that you're really, really dead set on, that's a deal breaker. I will not cruise with a mask. Then, you know, maybe step back and reconsider booking something right now or book something that you know you can cancel if that is what comes down. Let's move to the second of five deal breakers here that people are kind of throwing around online, and that is the casinos, where folks are saying, you know what, I don't want to be restricted in a casino. I'll just go to Vegas or Biloxi or Atlantic City. But then again, if you go to a land-based casino, you're going to have the probably have the same type of implementation as a cruise ship casino, right, Tommy? Totally, 100%. Uh, I just think that in general, and you can relate the casino to – and. To various portions within the ship, because like I said, microcosm of society type scenario, I don't know that you're going to be able to say, okay, when you say wear a mask on the cruise, wear a mask in the casino, where I think it it becomes, I guess, subjective to where you are on the cruise ship, because I don't think anybody's going to seriously expect you to put on a mask and wear it the entire time you're there. Just like now land-based restaurants right now, land-based casinos right now, the 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 thing that I'm seeing mostly is that if you walk in with it, if you're on your foot, if you're in, if you're on your feet, if you're in motion, you have to have a mask on. If you're seated, obviously, what is going to be the day? What do you got to put your mask on between bites? You got to put your mask on when you're sitting down at the craps table. It's really going to be something that's going to be difficult to regulate. And Richard, I am with you. I am fascinated to see how this is going to be mandated and more importantly enforced. And I think in the within the casino, you have different styles of gaming that would create different levels of concern as far as health and sanitization. At the blackjack table, you're seeing all those structures that are set up that is, have the glass partitions should be some sort of a little bit of an easy fix. And what about at the craps table? How are you going to handle it at the craps table when it's a very communal game and things like that? So I think there's just a lot that is still up in the air. I was actually talking to somebody who works at a casino in uh, Vegas. And, you know, they've just started opening up. And and he is actually terrified um, because while they are handing out masks as you enter the casino, they at, at his particular casino, they are not enforcing that you have to wear it. Uh, and so 
he's seen a little bit of everything, but he said, he said, you know, 95% of people, once they walk in, they take that mask and they throw it away. They're just, they're just not wearing it. On the other hand, my brother-in-law gambles at a uh, casino upstate that has just recently opened. And he said, they're being pretty strict there. They're not only um, making you wear the masks, but they've basically uh, made it so that you can only sit at every third uh, slot machine. They have limited the number of people who play on a table so that you're not sitting at every chair. You're sitting at every other chair. I, I, he did not specifically mention craps, um, which the fact that he didn't tell me that he lost a lot of money at craps tells me that maybe they haven't actually opened the craps table because you're right. That is a table where you get a lot of people who both are playing and aren't playing, who are sort of standing around cheering you on. There's a lot of exactly the kind of behavior you don't want in this situation where everybody's close and you're expectorating by yelling a lot. So um, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if they either say, you know what, for right now, we're not going to have the craps table or they say, if you're not playing craps, we're going to limit it to like five people playing at a time. And if you're not playing, you can't be, you know, within six feet of the table. Casinos are, you know, it's again, it is, it's one of those problem spots on the ship and there are several i don't think anybody expects that people will be wearing masks in the dining room but here's a good question um you know let's say that you say you have to wear a mask unless you're in a dining room or unless you're eating Do, what happens if you go to you're on a carnival ship and you go to guys burgers and you take the burger back to your chair at the you know at the pool what do you do then because you can't wear the mask when you're eating mm-hmm. so it's it's a lot of situations that I'll be really interested to see, you know, how they hammer this out and and what rules they put in place. The good thing is that before we get to this point in the United States with the CDC and the other organizations sort of figuring out what protocols are going to be in place, we'll get to see some of what's happening overseas because some markets overseas are very definitely going to open before we do. And so they'll be able to, you know, Arnold Donald was talking about this on a webinar earlier this week. He said, what's kind of exciting about that is they can look and they can see this worked, that didn't work. How did they enforce it? How did they implement it? And what was the result of it? And they can take all of that information as well as the information that's coming out of land-based casinos and land-based restaurants. They're going to have a lot of information that, you know, the more data you have, the better decisions you can make. And they'll be able to use that to sort of figure out what the protocols they'll need to put in place. The next deal breaker is buffets. Let's talk about that for a second, because when Royal Caribbean implemented the, well, they backtracked on it, but when they first said there will be no buffets moving forward, uh, people said no buffets, no cruising. Richard? (laughs) You know, I will be honest. I mean, I love a good buffet, especially in a casino. I love like in, in Atlantic City and Vegas, I love a casino buffet. But on a cruise ship, I I know a lot of people love them. They're fast. They're easy. You know, get in. There's a lot of variety, whatever. But I kind of wouldn't be sad if they said, you know what, for right now, uh, we're going to one of the things they talked about with Royal Caribbean was that they might turn the Windjammer into sort of a more traditional seated kind of venue, like a regular restaurant. I would have no issue with there not being a buffet. I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. If, if, if you're the kind of person who like it's, you know, give me buffet or give me death. I don't know. I, and maybe I don't want to cruise with you. It's like, like there are so many food options out there 
that you don't necessarily need a buffet. I do think that what we'll see is is more of a situation where uh, we have buffets, but they have people serving them. And then, of course, you get the people who are like, well, I don't want baby portions. I'm a big man. I want a big manly portion. It's like, you know, well, then you just ask for more. It's not like they're going to only give you four shrimp and say you can't have any more. So I won't be sad if we don't have buffets for a while, but I do think we'll have them. It'll just be uh, a modification. And the biggest problem they'll have won't be, you know, having people serve you. The biggest problem will be the lines. Again, you know, if you're trying to keep people six feet apart in the buffet, how do you do that? We've all seen it. Nobody even stands in the line that they're supposed to. Everybody jumps around and, you know, butts in and like, oh, I just want to get in here. I just want to get that scoop of, you know, ice cream or whatever. How do you keep, how do you manage people? And and every time we talk about whether it's the buffet or the casino or masks, it comes down to the big question of how do you enforce it and whose job will it be to enforce it? You know, will the, will the washy-washy people at the front door be wandering around saying, oh, you're not six feet apart and... What do you do? I, I I don't know. First of all, I'm trying to get over the fact I, I'm very offended right now. Uh, <laughs> Richard basically called me a buffetist, and uh, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna work on getting through this, but I am I am definitely triggered right now. So listen, cruising for many people is a value based vacation, and the fact that you can go to the buffet and replenish your plate on your own is a huge plus for a lot of us who don't believe in a lot of portion control and like the freedom of being able to go there and get creative with our little different uh, creations and and plates (laughs) that we make. Uh, Let's be honest. It's part of the reason cruising has the reputation it does. Like you say, I do get it, but there's no judging here for me. And I can see the mass market cruise lines having a bit of a hard time selling these cruises that don't offer some sort of unlimited food option. And I'm not talking about just continuously ordering plates because, you know, that gets a little embarrassing. People want to do it on their own. Um, I think in the buffet, obviously, there's going to be a ton of things that you don't know. But obviously, in my, from my standpoint, I think sanitation steps are going to have to be taken. Most obviously, uh, crew will be more likely to serve you than rather you grab your tongues and take it on your own. There's going to be limits on how many people can be in the venue at once. And a lot of times these places are crazy crowded already and that's going to kind of bottle things up a little bit more do you going to have what do you get you're going to have social distancing on the lines while you're getting while you're getting your food i'm sure you absolutely will now you have the washing the hands and the hat and the sanitizing thing those those are going to go from a strongly recommended suggestion option to a no exceptions requirement and um Listen, we're going to see how it goes. Isn't Virgin Voyages not doing the buffet at all anyway? Is that, is that what they said? Well, I they mean, say they're not doing a buffet, but they have a space that is definitely a buffet. They don't call it a buffet, but it's basically it's a high scale buffet. Um, and they may decide not to go through with that. But the two things that came to mind as you were talking there. One, anybody who thinks that it's embarrassing to order multiple meals at the same time in the main dining room has never dined with either Doug or myself because <laughs> I've seen both of us order like three entrees and four four appetizers along with a dessert. So, yeah. you know, you, you get over that real quick. But I also think it's no more and maybe it's just a maybe it's just a mentality thing, but can it really be more embarrassing to order, you know, three or four things from the waiter than it is to sort of belligerently, assuming that people are belligerent, ask the person who's serving you in the buffet, you know, I want 17, 
pieces of of bacon, not four. So you know, you're you're in either case, you're asking somebody to give you more food than you probably need. <laughs> I want to talk about itineraries as a deal breaker. Just like cruising during hurricane season, it's quite possible your upcoming cruise could also make a diversion. Yeah, one of the things that um, has been talked about a lot is the fact that. When they're looking at the protocols that are going to be put in place, it's not only the protocols on the ship, but it's also the protocols that will have to be put in place at the various ports that they visit. Now, there's only so much that the cruise lines can control. For example, if they set certain rules on the ship, they can extend those same rules to the shore excursions that are booked through the ship. But if you book your own shore excursions, you know, then they have no control over that. Or if you just decide to go and explore on your own, they have no control over that as well. But the other thing that, you know, let's say you book a cruise right now that's scheduled to go to the Bahamas and and Bermuda and Curaçao or some such place. Well, it may be that while that is what they are planning to do, they may find out that, you know what? They're not ready to open yet. They're, they're, that, that particular port is saying, nope, we're not taking cruise ships right now. And so suddenly, instead, you're going to a different port. Now, I'm the kind of person that if I'm on a ship, I don't really care where it's going. I, I don't think I've ever booked um, a cruise based on solely on the itinerary, except for my Alaska cruise that was recently booked. If, if the cruise is going somewhere and there's booze on it and a casino and food, I'm happy. But there are people who very specifically book itineraries. And Tommy, I'm sure you've seen that. What do you tell people who are booking an itinerary based on the fact that they really want that itinerary? Do you have to sort of give them a warning right now? Yeah, I think everybody that I've spoken to, and honestly, my dealings with my clients have been very understanding because I think, you know, I don't get the casual cruiser. I get the people who are pretty dialed in. And I think everybody who's booking a cruise right now, right now knows it's basically the Wild West. And, you know, <laughs> talking talking about the itineraries and talking about you're not talking about the cruise line being able to even control a lot of that stuff. It's you're talking about, you know, sovereign nations that can decide whatever policy they have regarding letting people in. And. I'm thinking, you know, if you have a cruise to Nassau, San Juan, and then let's just say um, uh, Half Moon K, I think what you're going to have is a situation where the cruise line has to go and see what's the regulations for Nassau, what's the regulations for uh, San Juan, and then they're going to have to kind of put that into the whole program. If there's any testing requirements that are required by San Juan, that's probably going to have to take place in the embark, you know, basically in the embarkation terminal. So it is just another thing to add to the list of how, you know, this is going to be a slippery slope and um, a, 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 a fluid, to say the least, experiment for the beginning. Another thing that will have to be put in place is social distancing. Now, during a webinar earlier this week, Arnold Donald, who's the CEO of Carnival Corporation, he said they were looking at several ideas. He specifically mentioned the theater and how one possibility was doing four shorter shows a night instead of two longer shows in order to equally allow everyone to catch a show. Tommy, what kind of issues do you see with social distancing and do you think it might impact people's decision? I think it will. I think, like you said, it's going to be complicated. I want everybody to book cruises. I really think that the only way to get through this is to, is to I guess, conduct the experiments and go through it. As I said before, you have so many people who are wanting to get back to sea. I think they will get on the first thing sailing, a lot of them, but uh, they might be in for a 
little bit of a disappointment when they see what some of the regulations might be. Uh, places of curiosity as far as social distancing for me, aside from the theater, which is an obvious one, uh, will be places like the bars. Will you be able to just belly up to the bar? And then how are you going to monitor the right and the left, uh, the disco? the nightclub will you be able to hit the dance floor and you know if so will there be like a you know senior prom style chaperone monitoring <laughs> and tapping people on the shoulder if they get too close uh, i don't know what it'll be like what will it be like in the gyms how about the hot tubs you know what i mean how are you going to social distance in a hot tub one in a tub and you just start waving across the pool to the other people i don't know what what, what are you going to do you will never see an empty hot tub you know i yeah. mean whether so, it's 500 so, children just, or 20 people smoking cigars, you, they are always full. And you're right. How do you how do you maintain that? The other big one for me is elevators. How the heck do you social distance and control an elevator? We've all been in that situation where you come out of a muster drill, which, by the way, another thing they're going to have to figure out. You come out of a muster drill and there are 10,000 people or in a, on embarkation morning. And there are, you know, 6,000 passengers all wanting to get to where they want to go. Standing around, each elevator opens, ugh, it's full. What do you do? You can't, you know, you can't, I can't think of any scenario in which you can social distance uh, or even try and maintain social distancing in an elevator. It's, and, and, and on a ship like, you know, you look at something like the Norwegian Breakaway or the Carnival Vista, a ship like that you're going to need to, you're going to need an elevator sooner or later. I mean, I try and take the stairs. I do, but sooner or later you're like, uh, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not going up 10 flights of stairs. I just finished a meal, uh, four meals. I'm taking the elevator. So that's, that's a big one. Sail away parties. I mean, we've all been to the sail away parties where you, you know, are you going to have to do the, 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 the doogie or whatever it is? I don't know the social dances, Um, but, but are you going to do these dances with marks on the floor where everybody has to stay six feet apart? And again, how do you regulate that? That's the biggest second part of it. How are you going to regulate any of it? Now, I love what we're doing here. I love the fact that, you know, we're not just trying to paint a rosy picture uh, because we are not apologists for what's going on. And we, and we, like I said, I think all of us give you the straight raw data and what we see and how we see. But I do, I don't want to paint the picture of it being all doom and gloom because I think we are all so excited to get onto that cruise ship, experience that embarkation, look at that sail away, smell that salty air and get out there. And I think we all should and we all will. So yes, we are really kind of, I guess, diving deep into the the things that may potentially be viewed as negative, but let's remember all the positives. You gotta go onto these cruises, these especially the first month or so, with a level of expectation. But I would say anybody who is going to take a cruise, get out there and just really think about why you love cruising. And again, give everybody a break. Realize that this is a fluid situation and go out of your way to make sure that you have the right attitude and enjoy your trip. Well, in closing, are any of these deal breakers for you? For me personally, no. There's nothing when it comes to cruising that's a deal breaker. I can tell you that, you know, it is. If I'm expecting the regular cruise, the regular experience, and these things kind of blindside me, I'm going to be a little pissed, but uh, at the end of the day, we all know what we're dealing with here. And for no other reason than just to be out at sea, obviously to create some, get some content and maybe do a little bit of an investigation piece, an experimental piece. I am absolutely willing, not only willing, excited and anxious to cruise. For me personally, um, none of these things are really deal breakers. I mean, I, the deal breaker for me would be if I couldn't get a balcony (laughs) because I feel like, um, 
I might be a little bit nervous at times, you know, like I want to be able to, let's say I'm on the ship and suddenly there's, you know, maybe, maybe there's a situation that arises where I'm, I'm in a public space and suddenly I feel like there's a lot of people and I want to get away. I want to be able to go to my balcony. As long as I can go to my balcony, grab some drinks, have some good food, swing by the casino. I mean, if I have to wear my mask the whole time, I'm perfectly fine with that. I have no issue. I think my only deal breaker here is not about, is not really about what would keep me off a ship. It's what I want them to make sure they're doing first. I, I really, and I think they will, but I think it's really important that we not welcome people back onto the ships until they are 100% sure that they understand the protocols, they know what they're doing, because the worst thing that can possibly happen is we go back too soon because we're all very anxious to get on ships. I'm dying. I would go on one tomorrow if I could. We're all very anxious to get back on a ship, but if they don't do this right, and let's say let's say three weeks into the relaunch of ships, they have a big outbreak. That's going to be disastrous. That is going to be disastrous because, you know, we've we've waited all this time and and we've seen what happened as a result of the last batch of outbreaks. So they really need to make sure that they know what they're doing. They've got it all under control and that they and that that. And this is important for both the cruise lines and cruisers. Cruise lines need to know, you know, that they've got a handle on it. They've worked it all out with the CDC, which they're not going to sail until they do. So we do know that. But cruisers also have to be willing to play the game. They have to be willing to say, I'm in this too, and and I want this to work. You know, we have to all we have to all we have to all be in it together, guys. <laughs> I so masks okay, casino okay, buffets fine, itineraries that's cool. I go with the flow. Social distancing, of course. I think the only thing that could be a deal breaker for me, we didn't talk about it, but I know a couple of cruise lines have brought this up already. Virgin being one of them, I would feel more comfortable if they did a rapid COVID test before embarkation. Of course, should the technology become available, that's that. Mm -hmm. I, I assure you, if they announced tomorrow that rapid COVID testing was available. Every single cruise line would jump on that and they'd say, we are going to do this. Every crew member coming on board, every, you know, every passenger coming on board, if the technology exists, they will do it. And, and I agree that would, if, if that was available, man, that would, that would be just fantastic and a miracle. And, you know, we, I think all three of us would be running up the gangway racing to see who was going to get to the Red Frog pub first. Yeah. Right. But Doug, would you would you would you still cruise if there was not that that technology wasn't available? Ask me like a week before embarkation. I can't commit right now. Gotcha. Yeah, just just a comfort level. Um, I sort of agree. It depends on where we are as a country. You mm -hmm. know, what am I seeing around the country? If I feel like everything is okay and and uh, you know, and, and, and we're sort of in a good place and I'm comfortable with temperature checks and I'm comfortable with the regulations that, that the cruise lines have put in place and, you know, okay, you want me to wear a mask? Fine. I'll wear a mask. Oh, you figured out how you're going to do, you know, the theater. Great. Then put me on a ship. I'm good to go. All right, guys. I really appreciate y'all. Staff writer, Richard Sims and host of the Always Be Booked podcast, Tommy Casabona. Thank you both. Thank you. As always, glad to do it. During these difficult times for the travel industry, Cruise Radio stands behind the men and women who work so hard to bring our vacation dreams to life. From the captains and crew to travel agents, tour operators, vendors, and port employees, we offer a sincere thank you on behalf of the thousands of guests whose lives you impact each and every day. 